Today's Bible reading comes from Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself, prostrated himself, sorry, prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And when he was a, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. I'll invite the young people, anyone who would like to, to join me up front. Hey, gents. Wow, check out those socks. Nice. I know it does, doesn't it? What do you want for those? <laughs> okay, hi, everybody. Hey, um... I wish I'd thought about it in time to bring some dice this morning. We, we could throw some dice. Nobody's got dice, do you? Anybody got dice in your pockets? Rick, you, got a, you usually have a good set of, good pair of dice to choose a hymn by throwing dice. Um, the reason that I was thinking about dice this morning is that um, I was reading about the butterfly effect. Have you ever heard of the butterfly effect? You have? Do you want to take a stab at what it is? Um, isn't it where one small thing can cause a lot of other bad things to happen? Or good things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a chain reaction, yeah. Um, so it can be good things or bad things or even neutral things. Um, and one of the things that, that k- people that study chaos theory in particular, one of the things that they know, look at that, is that um, uh, it's, it, it is almost impossible to throw a pair of dice exactly the same way twice because there are so many variables that go into how you throw dice, just how you hold them, what the atmosphere is, the, the motion of your arm. You can almost, it's almost impossible to replicate the throw of dice twice in the same way. And um, the butterfly effect, a couple of other ways that people talk about it, it first was being talked about in the, um, uh, in the area of hurricanes, not early in, when it was being kind of formulated as an idea. Um, there was this, this theory that the motion of a single butterfly wing a couple of days before the onset of a hurricane would affect the hurricane. Because again, as you were saying, those little chain reactions, even this little thing that happens, this little tiny butterfly flap affects this crazy monstrous hurricane. And I I was thinking about that again on Thursday. I came out to Brea um, in the middle of the day to be here for choir practice, and I parked myself at the corner of bakery um, and just kind of used their Wi-Fi for a while and did some work. And I sat down in one, at one table and then I thought, oh, I'm not comfortable here. I want to be over in the sun. And so I got up and I moved over to a table that was in the sun. And shortly after that, a couple of people came in and sat in the table that I had just left. And I thought, where would they sit if I hadn't changed tables? And as I, as I sat there and did my work and watched people come and go, I realized just me moving from one table to the other has affected the flow of people through this restaurant, really perhaps for the rest of the day. 
because people sit in a table that I gave up, people can't sit in the table that I'm in, and so just, and, and you know, then the people that took my table left and somebody else came in and I realized, wow, that's really what that kind of idea of the butterfly effect is about. Like even these little small decisions that we make have an impact. And the reason I'm telling you that is that we're starting um, after church today uh, a class on process theology, process philosophy, and you all probably hear us talk about process a lot in this church. And one of the very basic tenets, one of the basic principles of process theology is that everything is, everything is related and that all of our relationships matter and they have an impact. And as a matter of fact, they define us. The way we relate with one another defines who we are as individuals and as a community. So I just wanted to share that with you because as the, as the adults start thinking about process philosophy and process theology, I wanted to just kind of share that little thought with you all so you know what, when we start talking about process, it's about relationships. And the bottom line for process theology is that God calls us to good relationships. And that when we are in good relationships with ourselves, with others, and with our planet, then God's desire for all to be well can become possible. And that God relies on us to create that wellness. God can't do it without us. And that's one of the basic ideas of process, is that God fills every moment with an invitation to us to enter into good relationships and create goodness and well-being. Can we say a prayer? Dear God, thank you for your constant urge to be good, creative, transforming people. Thank you for the lessons we learn from our mistakes, for the strength that you give us, for tenacity, for creativity. Thank you for the beauty that surrounds us. Open our eyes to it. Open our hearts to it and to one another. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want, you can open up your uh, Bibles to chapter 17. Uh, we're going to be looking at the story uh, that <clears throat> Francie just uh, read to us. Uh, <clears throat> before we begin, though, just a couple of words about the class on process theology afterwards. And uh, for those of you who have been here for a long time uh, and think you don't know anything about process theology, I want to prove you wrong that you've been getting it for the past 31 years anyway. Uh, so everybody's welcome, uh, and you can come and go as you please. You don't need to have any background at all in philosophy or theology. However, I will make you think, at least that. I will make you think, and, uh, and I'll take you through the steps uh, that go way back uh, to even before Socrates. Uh, that laid the groundwork, uh, you know, as, as Michael was saying, a decision somewhere else has a profound effect, and we are still feeling the effects of the Greek world, uh, even today, 2,500 years later. It, it has not a small effect, but quite a profound uh, effect. So uh, after the service is over, go grab a cup of coffee, uh, and then head over to the music room, so that's where we're going to have the class. Um, here in the Gospel of Luke, where we've been for a few Sundays, um, we're just kind of paying attention to uh, how Luke portrays Jesus in this journey from Galilee up north down to Jerusalem. Uh, to, as pilgrims, they're going to Jerusalem 
um, because it is Passover, and that's one of the most important um, uh, celebrations in the Jewish faith is Passover uh, because uh, it symbolizes that time when the uh, angel of death uh, passed over um, all the inhabitants of um, Egypt and um, if you wanted your firstborn to be saved you put a, a mark in blood on your on your doorpost and the angel of death would <laughs> it's a horrible story really it really is and there's no way around you know explaining it away um, but if, uh, but it, it can be explained in, in the context, uh, and that's generally true of any text that we're looking at in, in the Bible, is generally a lot of how we understand it comes within the context. And so here we have a situation in the text where um, it has been c confusing uh, scholars for a long time, uh, you know, uh, confusion kind of makes careers in philosophy and theology. And uh, so uh, it, it's the, the fact that scholars can argue about these things that don't seem to matter on the face of it um, is quite a wonderful point in our culture, really. Uh, that in previous cultures and previous times, we simply had to eke out a living. We didn't have time to read books, uh, to, to do anything except sun up, sun down, um, just getting food for the family. And so we're, we're a, a little like the Greeks in the fact that we have leisure time now and people can actually write and read and discuss things. So here we have a story that is actually two stories. Now the first story is uh, these lepers, 10 lep lepers, and a leper pops up every once in a while on, on the route from Galilee up north down, down to Jerusalem. And, and, and they place themselves, these lepers, uh, along the way uh, to beg for food and whatever they needed because they, were, uh, they became a ghetto unto themselves. So if you had uh, leprosy, you could not be in the community because you might spread it. So you have to go to a leper colony. And um, leper colonies have been around for a long time. Uh, I think there was one in Hawaii until just recently. Um, so there, there is this really harsh exclusion uh, from their community that makes them band together. And so it didn't matter if you were a Gentile or Jew or whatever. You had uh, leprosy, you had to be in the leper colony. Um, and so these folks placed themselves along the way, as I said, so that they can receive things uh, donations and whatever, just to survive. I mean, it, it, it's just really hard to imagine uh, being pushed out of a uh, society like that in such a such a harsh way, and everybody's staying away from you. I mean, it's kind of the the ultimate obvious disease to stay completely away from. Um, and so we have these ten lepers in this story, and they're they're begging. Uh, and, and Jesus uh, said to, uh, let's see, 11, and uh, Jesus, uh, and they keep, their bit, they keep their distance too, so they're away, and if you want to leave something for them, you know, you'd probably have to leave it, and they would come and, and pick it up. And so uh, they called out, uh, saying, uh, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Uh, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Um, and 
that's all Jesus asks them to do. Uh, they're just doing what he told them to do. And on their way, they were healed. And of course, uh, being uh, sort of approved by a priest uh, meant that you could come back into your family and your community and things like that if you were cured of leprosy. It's kind of the ultimate exclusion um, disease, I suppose, back then. So they all go. And they're all healed, all ten of them. Uh, but one comes back. Uh, now, the first story probably just stops with they're healed on their way. And then we get this other story about this, this, other, this other person who turns out to be a Samaritan, which is a problem. I mean, we don't really get it because we don't live in that, that time frame. Uh, but but he, was not, he was not a good Jew. Uh, the Samaritans, in fact, were seen by the good Jews as not being Jewish. Uh, even though they claimed that they were Jewish. So there was this, you know, very, very tense situation uh, between, those, uh, between the community of the Samaritans and then the surrounding uh, community of the Jews. And so uh, we have Jesus going through Samaria every once in a while um, and doing things in Samaria um, because that is where you're not supposed to go. And so Jesus spoke to all ten of them we can assume that nine of them were probably Jewish because they went and presented themselves uh, to the priests as clean. Uh, the Samaritan is a problem. He has a problem. He can't run along with these other 10, uh, uh, ten uh, healed folks and, and go to the priest. He'd probably just be kicked out um, um, of, of the, wherever the priest is. Uh, and so he comes back to, to Jesus, partly to thank Jesus, but also for not knowing what else to do. I mean, if you're a good Jew, you know, you could just go to the synagogue or the temple and ask for forgiveness and, you know, burnt offerings and, and money and things like that. It's all about a, a, clean, <clears throat> a clean life, we might say. <clears throat> and so this man uh, uh, thanks Jesus. And on first reading, I thought that this story was about being thankful to God. I thought that the nine went away and did not come back to thank Jesus. I thought they were uh, thank, thankless. But I don't think that's what the story's about as they're put together uh, in these two stories like this. They're meant to be held in, in tension. And so the Sumerian comes back, this stranger, this foreigner, uh, comes back and uh, he doesn't know where, where else to go. You know, thank you, Jesus. Um, and of course, Jesus says that, you know, the famous words, what he often says, well, Luke says, uh, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then Jesus said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Um, that's kind of code uh, in the Bible where there is some God thing going on here. Uh, it's not like you go to a doctor and cure your skin disease or take some pills or do some formula. Um, but there's something about on the way to the temple or on the way uh, on your own life that, that on that way is where healing comes. And it's not just today. It's not just once. I mean, many of you have had you know, Ill, illnesses and diseases and, and things like that. And you know that a lot of those things can't be cured in a day or two. 
it takes time. And so the nine going to uh, show themselves to the priests, you know, they were just being good Jews. And so your faith has made you well. Um, that term well uh, can also be uh, rendered saved. Same word. <clears throat> Wherever you might see the word saved or well, um, it's really the same word. It means to be made whole. That's what saved means. Um, and so when you pray to God, uh, uh, pr probably a good prayer is to pray for wholeness. Not only for yourselves, but for everywhere else. Uh, and so it got me to thinking, well, well, what is wellness? What does it mean to be saved? And in the churches that I grew up in, of course, it meant that you, after your death, you go on to heaven. That's, that's what it meant to be saved. But I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. Maybe, but this story is telling us uh, that this man is uh, healed and made well uh, because he trusted Jesus. So your trust has made you well, is how we can break it down. So, I, and I was trying to think about what it means to be well, and I kind of came up with all these platitudes. And, you know, one after another, I said, no, that's, you know, that's silly. I've heard that for, you know, a long time. Um, it's like saying I love you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> all right, I love everybody. Um, but here, what does it mean to be well, to be to be saved. And I don't know, I think a lot of it depends on the particular person. What does it mean to be made well? Well, there's something going on in your life that gives you dis-ease. And whatever it might be, it doesn't have to be a disease of the body, it could be a disease of the mind, it could be the disease um, of in relationships, it could be the disease of of corruption. I mean, you go on down the list of all the way things can go wrong in life. And I came up with another list of platitudes. Um, so that's why I think it's so personal here in this story uh, that Jesus is not talking to the nine who left. They didn't need to be made whole in the way that this one foreigner needed to be made whole. So you think about that, and of course we've talked about this over and over again. Jesus always focuses on the poor widow, uh, the orphans, the poor people, the sick, and Samaritans, a foreigner. And, and that just, that simple phrase, your, your trust has made you whole. Well, I can imagine him going back to his family, wherever his family might be. I can imagine him of sitting around food in the evening and joining, joining the family. And I can imagine him going and doing whatever he was doing before he got leprosy. He's restored to that life. And what it means is that you're restored to a community. I, think that I, I, I have a hard time believing that healing is only an individual thing. I think you can become healthy and experience wellness by being connected to a healthy community. And if you're connected to an unhealthy community, it would be really hard for you, I think, to feel whole and fullness with this. And it's a matter of trust. 
And it's a matter of uh, following uh, God's, you know, going like that to us every moment. Um, wellness means uh, that we have forgiven everybody we need to forgive. That means we take care of our bodies in such a way that they remain healthy as long as possible. It means we take care of our children. It means that we do things that are just. And there's a long list of what it means to be wellness. My hunch is that when you see it, you know it. And it's always on the way. It's not like something you can sit at home at home and say, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing and, and heal myself. That's possible, but, but the healing is involved in the going on. And I think that's one of the points that's being made here. This story is not interested in the nine. This story is interested in the one. And what would it, make, what would it take to make his life whole? And, you know, just, again, it's very individual, looking at your own life. And you can only answer this question, only you. What would it take along the way to trust that would lead to wholeness in your life? That would mean naming all the broken places. But what would it mean to be experience wholeness in your life? Because when we experience wholeness in life, we are experiencing the touch of Jesus. And that's what all, it always comes back to. In the hands of Jesus, there is a power of healing. And that power of healing was passed on to his disciples, uh, to the apostles, and to the church. And so we are uh, not just a one, a one Sunday thing, we are, we are a community. And God has given us the capacity, through being who we are, to welcome the stranger, to pray for wholeness for people who need prayer, uh, and to be the hand of Jesus in each other's lives. So, no, it's not about being thankful. It's about going your way in trust. Does that work for you, that way of looking at it? It does me too. Thank you. Will you join me in prayer? Loving God in whom is heaven, the hallowing of your name echoes through the universe. You are the great drum, the mover of life with love, the creative rhythm pulsing in our hearts and in our expanding existence. You are more loving than we can ever imagine. We pray for the commonwealth of all creation, and we offer our hands and mouths, hearts and minds to be instruments of your shalom. As we see in Christ your care for the oppressed and downtrodden, we dedicate ourselves to work for economic, social, and environmental justice, to care for the earth and all living creatures with whom we share our planet. We sense your yearning for the wholeness of all people, we pray for the end of war and for all who are touched by violence of any kind. As your partners in healing, we dedicate ourselves to being a people of peace, taking the small steps that through community lead to giant leaps toward well-being. 
Loving God, some of us today are content, happy, and comfortable. Others of us are living with illness, fear, and concern for the future. Most of us live in the middle of that. We know that you are with us no matter where we are, calling us into a presence of infinite possibilities. Your love transforms us and challenges us to love ourselves and our neighbors. Your Holy Spirit fills us with joy and anticipation. Our communion with one another lightens our burdens and deepens our joys. We acknowledge the creative power gathered in this place today, and we pray for our neighbors and friends and family who are in special need. As your diverse and beautiful family, dear God, we desire to be of one loving heart and mind as we work for a world where all creation is respected. With this singular voice, we pray as Christ taught the disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.